Where the hell? Why did it say to meet in a field? Why a bloody field? Oh, hey guys, over here. There he is. You alright, man? Oh, what happened? Sorry about that. Kicked the ball a little too hard. Oh, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, but wait a second. We met EGX, didn't we? Uh, yeah, the green hair. I remember you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Want to be on the podcast? Yeah, alright. Lead the way. Come on, Stumpy. Up you get or I'll put you in the penalty wall. Make proper cannon fodder of you. Ugh, charming. So, uh, welcome everyone to uh, the Waffling Tailors podcast. We've uh, just before I say hello to everybody, we've got a, a special guest with us today. Um, that's right, it's G. No, um, so <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Joining me as always, and joining you, the listener as always, is uh, Squidgy. So, how are you, Squidgy? Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Indeed, right. But also joining us is G. Hashtag. Don't call me Audrey. Please don't. <laughs> We're also joined by an incredibly special guest, a video gaming legend in the UK. It's Stu Cambridge. How are you, Stu? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Yes, yes. Hi, I'm here. Yes. Hello. 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 Hello over the back. He's, he's, he's hiding around there. Look, you can see him. He's hiding. Come out. Come out. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. So, um, real quick intro to the show then, in case you're new. Uh, so, Squidge and I usually talk nonsense about video games. We drag loads of other people into it. Um, we do like to focus a little bit on retro video games when we can. Um, and it's more a case of um, what, we, what we've been playing recently and looking back on some games that we used to play rather than... Um, excuse me, rather than gaming news or anything like mm. that, because by the time we release it, it's gaming olds, yes. which is not particularly brilliant. But yeah, um, so usually we'll go around the room and ask what everybody's been playing, but uh, this section of the episode is all about Stu and how uh, how we want to talk to him and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, so we're not going to do that. We're going to skip over that. Um, so if you want to listen to that, listeners, wait until next week. Um but, uh, yeah, we just thought we'd uh, have a bit of a chat with you, Stu, see how you're doing, what you're working on, all these kinds of things, have a chat with you about, like, a little bit about your history, and uh, we do have some questions later, but, um, like I say, I can't guarantee that they're all sensible. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Hopefully it doesn't sound too much like an interrogation. Uh, well, I, I, shall I, actually, I've got a spotlight in here, which I use when I'm drawing, so I could put that on my head, just for effect. <laughs> 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 I can draw, pull the blind down and sh just turn all the lights out. So it's just this one solitude light above my head. Does that sound good? Awesome. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, for those who don't know, uh, Stu, because we do have a bit of an international audience, uh, mostly Americans and Japanese, I found out earlier this week, oh. which is interesting. So going to you out to everyone over listening in, in Japan. Um, um, 
what I'd what I'd like to say is that obviously Stu is a bit of a video gaming legend. I did say it earlier on. Um, you you were part of the uh, Sensible team, coming yeah. up with Sensible Software and Cannon Fodder and all of those wonderful games. I do remember that you once described Cannon Fodder as lemmings with guns, which is yes, brilliant. Yes. <laughs> brilliant. And you were in the live action intro as well for the Amiga uh, CD32 version as well, I remember. That's how I was, yes, yes. Um, I, I found that yesterday, just looking up a few things. I've got one question. Mm-hmm. Who came up with that idea? Because it's just brilliant. What, the video? Yeah. Oh, that's John. John Hare. I mean, um, John and Chris, I mean, they they, uh, they came up with the idea to do videos for the games. I mean, because John and Chris had a, they were in a band. Um, and John's very musical. So, um, of course, you know, him and Richard com- composed a lot of the tunes for our games back, back in the day. And um, it was... Uh, just a really bizarre thing to do, <laughs> you know, just to say, oh, yeah, we're going to do, do a video for this game. It's like, okay, um, what we're we doing? Oh, we're going to dress up. Right, okay. <laughs> um, but it was, it, I mean, it's just brilliant. And, and the thing is, I'm really glad we did it because looking back now, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's representative of us at the time of what we were like, what we were, what we were about, you know, because um, back, I mean, a lot of, a lot of developers, they, they get lost behind the screen and you don't really know who wrote the game. You don't know who did the graphics, but for us, it was all about, you know, promoting ourselves because we believed in what we were doing with the games. So, it was, yeah. Uh, I was, I was researching it yesterday and I, I came across, I thought, right, I'll, I'll just get the tune mm. and I'll, I'll look at like some gameplay and stuff. Cause I remember playing it myself and then it just said live action, Amiga CD32 intro, and I thought, I've got to play a bit. And I watched it for about 25 minutes straight because I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> it. Was, it was a lot of fun to make. Um, I could tell. <laughs> it was. It was and at the time, I, I mean, my only thing, looking back, I wish I'd have embraced it a bit more because, um, you know, we was all acting, but I wasn't really uh, fully aware of what we was doing. So it's like, right, we're going to stand in a field and we're going to dance to music that's not really playing. And um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, as you do, as you do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, looking at it now, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we did all right actually. I think with that, it's, 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 it's come out really well, didn't it? You know, uh, and I just wish, I just wish the technology was better at the time because obviously with the encoding, it's not, you know, the quality on the CD32 wasn't, it wasn't great video playback. It was okay. Um, but looking at it now, you know, I mean, look at the VHS tapes um, of it. It's, um, it's, it's stood up all right. And we did, uh, we did actually record others. We did one for uh, Sensi Soccer uh, or Sensi World of Soccer, I should say. And we also did one. Yeah. And we also did one for Sensible Golf as well. So, I'm definitely uh, looking for them later on. Are they in the public domain? Um, I've got them, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't really want to put them up because they're not mine. I mean, John John Hare's got them, so I, th- I believe that he's probably going to do something with them at some point. But uh, you'll have to ask him if you if you if you ever meet him or, or interview him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen them because we, we've we've actually, they are actually all encoded up and they're you know they're digitally stored now, so um, they're yes. they're there. See, that was going to be my next question was, you know, maybe there's some um, Amiga hardware somewhere from when, you know, when Sensible Software was bought by, you know, Mm. Virgin and things. Maybe there's some hardware that survived somewhere with the files on it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very good question because when when Sensible sort of, you know, uh, sort of closed down, I mean, Codemasters bought 
bought all the the rights and they bought basically bought the company um as for the machines i don't know what happened to them i mean i i had i had an amiga i used which i still got um but there were there was an amiga i used in the office which i didn't own and i don't know what happened to a lot of the files on it i mean i backed up a lot of my data but there's a lot of files that probably you know somewhere you know i mean one example is um we did a we did a project which was sega world championship soccer 2 which was a hush hush project at the time and i don't have any of the graphics i did for that you know it was a mega drive project and i don't have any of the graphics because i did that on the uh i think i did it on the amiga and the pc in the office and um i never actually took any of them files home to work on so those files are gone, you know, the, the source files. So the only art I've got of that is which I've taken from screen grabs from the from an emulator running the Mega Drive version. Right. Okay. That's really interesting. Because mm. I remember, I think it was four or five years ago, someone randomly found a bunch of, um, I want to say, five and a half inch floppy disks in their house in a garage somewhere. They'd gone to a garage sale and they, they ended up with the original source code for uh, Prince of Persia on the Apple II. Oh, right. Okay. They had to send it off to someone to have it sort of digitally yeah. restored because, you know, who has a five and a half inch floppy disk drive? <laughs> That's right. I mean, that, well, that is that is quite a concern. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of these old old floppy disks that are kicking around. I mean, they've only got a, a certain lifespan, and you know, it's, it's quite sad to think there's probably lots and lots of stuff out there that's just going to get lost. You know, I mean, I've got files here which I think, well, you know, I'm I'm going to have to get them backed up. I mean, I, I haven't got a lot of stuff that I didn't back up, but there are a few where I think, oh, I wonder what's on that disk, um, and and you think to yourself, well. What do you do? You know, I mean, it's, it's quite a long process to, to, to restore the data properly without damaging the disks. So um, I think that it's it's nice that we can we can look at this stuff now and we've preserved so much of it. And I think it's very important to do that because now with everything digitally stored, you know, on, on hard drives and it's on the cloud, you know, if a floppy disk goes and it's the only source, source of that of that art or that code it's gone forever so i think it's very important to try and archive as much as you can i mean i thankfully did a lot when i when sensible closed and i i i I did back up a lot of my stuff and then when i made the transition from amiga to pc um i i connected one of those um those, do you remember those zip drives, the 100 mega zip drives? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I connected one of those to my Amiga, and I backed up all my stuff to those and then plugged that back into the PC and then copied them onto the PC. And um, that worked a treat. You know, so a lot of my, a lot of my graphics from back in the day I've actually got and uh, which is which is a relief because I'd I'd be quite horrified if I if I'd lost any of them. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally agree. Um, in in sort of day to day life, I'm a I'm a developer myself, so right. I totally right. understand the whole. You put you know hours and hours of effort into something, and then something comes along and deletes it, or yeah. um, your home office gets flooded, which happened yeah. to me a yeah. few weeks back, or right. you know things like that, and it just all all goes a bit wobbly and you lose everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly a concern and I, and I think it's it's very very easy to back up stuff these days, you know, it's very easy, you know, it's a click of a button. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any excuse for anybody to not back up data now, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 part and parcel of working on a machi- on a computer I think these days is just back up back up back up, you know. There's never you can never have too many. Yeah. yeah. No nobody likes things going with any shit. I don't think. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pratchett reference number one. Um, <laughs> <not> many, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, brilliant. But um, yeah, so we, we kind of bumped into each other um, thanks to the Arcade Attack folks because we were yes. all at EGX. Yes. Year, we? we certainly and, were. Um, <laughs> and you were there with uh, the, the team from Branching Narrative, weren't you? Because you have oh, a new... A new project that you're all working on. Yes. Can you give us a quick uh, introduction yes. to that? Yes. So, well, well um, Matt and Mark, through our branching narrative, um, sort of gave me a shout a few months ago and said, would you be interested in working with us on the um, – I'm just putting some of the UI together for this project we're doing. I said, yeah, sure. And um, and I said, you know, what, what is it? And they said, oh, it's, it's Death Trap Dungeon. I went, right, okay. So my ears kind of perked up a bit. Like, okay, tell me more. And I said, well, what we've done, um, we've got this this uh, video stuff we've been working on, and we thought it would be a good idea to take, uh, you know, a, a narrator and video that narrator reading through the book, and then you interact, you interact with him on screen, and you make the decisions on as if you're playing the book in front of you, but they're narrating it. And it's like, okay, right. Um, so anyway skip forward a, a couple of months and I, I got involved and then they said oh we've got eddie marson doing the narration nice. well i didn't know i didn't know eddie's name you know i knew his face like most people do but you, you think i know that actor i don't know what he's i don't know his name but he's been in loads of stuff so when they when they got him on board and um i saw the first bit of footage that they, they, they'd sent over to me i was blown away literally because he just engages you directly into the screen, you know, and, and anyone who's, who's, who's read the, 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 you know, the fighting fantasy books, you do get lost in them. And when you, it's a really strange thing because I mean, you've seen it at the show, mm-hmm. you know, Eddie's talking and he's narrating the book to you, but you're so drawn into it that you, you just immerse yourself and you are literally in the book by his, by his his acting skills and the way he's he's, he's got this character, um, you, you you just go along with it. But what 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 they've done is they've got this this really nice little system in there which lets you just narrate through the book and, and navigate through the book. And my my job was literally just to come up with the visuals of that uh, of the of the the interface and the logo and all that sort of stuff. So my role is quite small on it, to be honest. I'm not I'm not you know involved in in any of the the design stuff. But it's just a really nice project to be involved with. And, uh, I mean, it's going live. I think it's going live on Steam next month, early next month. So, um, I'll be getting it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I can't wait. I can't wait because we had such a positive feedback from people at the show. I mean, we didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, I was there for, I think, three days on and off. Um, and just seeing people come to the stand and 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 you think well you know you look it's like you you try not to look like you're being some kind of psycho looking at them <laughs> who's, who's, this, who's this coming along here right go on go and sit down oh, oh they've sat down it's like and then they sit there and they sit there and they sit there they play it and they immerse themselves mm-hmm. and think wow you know so yeah so i'm really hoping that that, that it, it does really well because um you know it, it, it'll be nice to be able to do loads more of them because it's such a it's such a great project to work on mm-hmm. i remember Excellent. I remember especially when when me and Jay turned up, we turned up with the uh, the arcade attack crew, and I was I was stood there with Adrian. I remember myself being involved in conversation between you and Adrian. Mm. And to be honest, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't know who you was because <laughs> uh, it was my first time at something like EGX. I didn't know who anyone was. And it was when you and Adrian were talking, and you mentioned something about working on games back in the day, working on Mega Drive games. Mm-hmm. Something in the back, my back of my brain just went, "He's an interesting guy." Don't make a party. <laughs> Don't make a party. He's an industry guy. Just, just keep cool. And I managed to, but I was freaking out inside. 
but it was also I would have loved to stay there and chat more, but I I, I had like ten minutes there chatting and I had to zip off because I was going to have a tattoo done. So I was freaking out about that as well because I'm petrified. <laughs> You know, because why not have a tattoo on? So I, it was fun chatting to you, but it was it was for me it was far too short. I, just, yeah. I should have been there longer, but I was going to go punish myself for two hours. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed having the netter with you. It was, it was good to meet. I mean, I do. I mean, generally speaking, I, I you know I like to like to you know meet people who have been a fan of stuff that I've worked on and and just generally games. I mean, it's uh, you know it's been my bread and butter for for God knows uh, what is it thirty years, which mm. is crazy amount of time but it's nice to get people's sort of feedback from things and just get people's opinions and so I, i'm always i'm always happy to chat and uh it's uh, it's just nice to to get people's opinions on stuff you know and yeah. and find out what they thought of this and what games are they playing and and uh, and where they think the industry's going because that's another thing i mean industry's changing all the time so it's good to get different opinions on that yeah 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 it is um so like one of the things that uh, I think you'd mentioned when the you were interviewed by the Arcade Attack dudes not so long back, and you'd said that in the Canon Fodder games, right up until you saw that you guys were you were talking about how you'd put in a little cutscene for when each of your characters dies, and and like cutscenes for watching them join up and stuff, and I think. That kind of you, you'd said that it gave you this feeling of empathy for the characters that you were playing with and as. And yeah. I think that's kind of missing a bit from your sort of modern video games. I think. I I think I think it is. Uh, I mean, when you look at the graphics in Cannon Fodder, you know, they compared to what you can achieve today, they're very very basic. Um, you know, the Amiga, you know, lovely machine as it is. We we only we use sixteen color mode, and we had another sixteen colors for the for the panel and the and the pointer. So we'd th- say thirty two colors on screen, you know. So there's not a lot you can do in that in that resolution and that color count. So anything you you did put put into it, you're kind of almost making um, the assumptions that people are going to fill in the gaps because you're hinting at what they are. And as soon as we drop the names in, and we put names of the people in, and then we put the hill screen in where the little recruits are coming over the hill. It totally and utterly changed the way the game felt. And you could not sit down and design that. It, it just happened. And you, you're right. I mean, I, I don't play a lot of, uh, of of new games. I mean, my sons play a lot of the, you know, like Call of Duty and those sort of games. And, 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 and the graphics are amazing, but I don't feel the connection when I've had a go. I don't feel those connections. And, and, and certainly playing cannon fodder, you get like a little recruit come in, you know, and little Freddie comes in and he's like, okay, he's, he starts off and he, he, he works for a few missions and he gets his rank. He's going up and up and up and up and up. And then he dies and you think, Oh no, I've been keeping this guy safe because he's every time he completes a mission, he gets better. He, get, he can yeah, throw the, the, That's right. And, and uh, once he, when he goes, you think, Oh, there's a genuine little, you know, sense of loss there. You think, oh no, he's gone. And then you got, you know, and then the whole squad gets blown up. You think, I've got to start back with these like these new <laughs> new recruits coming in there, and they're rubbish, you know. <laughs> Um, and that's yeah. the thing. See, that's the thing with 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 Canfield. We had this this. I mean, John John had this this difficulty graph that he, that he designed, which meant as you go through the game, you would end up having um, the experience of those of those recruits would benefit you in later levels because they'd have sharper shooting they'd have you know i think they could fire more grenades and and generally speaking they were better in your in your squad than some of the new guys that were coming in so it was in your interest to save the good ones for the harder missions later if you can 
And so then, obviously, once once you've once you've invested all that time getting getting them in into into the game and 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 you know letting them go through levels and missions, when they do die, you you do feel it. So mm. which is which is weird. You can't. You can't I mean, how do you design that sort of stuff? You know, it just kind of happened. You know, mm. it's very strange. Kind of like a happy accident. Happened. It really was. It really yeah. was a happy accident. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like that. Um, am, am so, I just, just real quickly, sorry, Jay. Am I right in thinking? Because I remember playing it because me and Jay, when we were younger, we got a, a Jaguar, Atari Jaguar. Yeah, yeah. And we got it on the Atari Jaguar. Am yeah. I right in thinking? This, I only remember this happening once. I only got about halfway through the game because I was like seven at the time. Am I right in thinking that in certain missions you get distractions like things flying out the woods? Am I right in thinking that there was a guy that jumped out the woods to, to sort of distract you? Uh, I only remember that happening once. Someone just jumped so, out the woods. Uh, and, I don't ever recall anybody jumping out, mm. unless that was something the guys who converted to the Jaguar did themselves. Because mm. uh, we didn't do the Jaguar version. Uh, I'd love to have done the Jaguar version because I'm, I'm actually, a, you know, I do like the Jag um, itself. I, I mean, Ooh. I did, I did Sensi Soccer. I did the conversion Sensi Soccer. I did the graphics for that on the Jag. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like what they did with the graphics on the Jaguar version of, of mm. Cannon Fodder. I thought it was it was meddled. People were meddling. Whoever did it, they were meddling with it. Um, and I, I'm I'm quite precious with with with, with graphics. So I think if you're if you're porting it to another machine, you know you should you should either leave it alone or at least try and consult with the original artist. Say, look, I'm going to do this, and or, or keep it true. Um, but I, but you know that's that's just part and parcel of working in the industry. You know, it's all it's all business at the end of the day. It's so you just I mean, the thing is, I mean, if you look at the Canafod, the Canafod on the, on the Jag, there's a lot of stuff in there which it's been enhanced with colours, but they haven't enhanced them in a way which, for me, was worthwhile doing. Mm. Um, you know, so you know, but I'm I'm just I'm just bitter and twisted, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, have, I have played like the the Mega Drive version stuff, and you yes. can see a clear difference. But yeah. I just I always remember I, I can't remember if it was a Mega Drive or the Jaguar version, but mm. I was on one mission. And someone just jumped out of the woods, and it was kind of like whoever jumped out of the woods just ran off. Yeah, it might have been. Um, I mean, we did have natives in the game in some ah. levels, and they'd run about. And we did have, uh, and we did have like some of the uh, enemy soldiers would would get sort of stuck behind trees if the maps the collision wasn't sort of tight enough. So you'd get them, and they they would come out. But they'd sometimes get if they feel like have a tile and it wasn't placed properly, they'd sometimes get hooked and then you'd have to run around. Then they would see you and run run out. Yeah. Um, so it could have been that. Um, but uh, I'd like to, I'd like to have put things into it. I mean, if if we did a, if we did, if we did another one, I'd I'd love to you know put more more stuff into it. Um, but I think I mean from what we did at the time, I was I was over the moon when it when it came out and people were giving it rave reviews. Um, it was like a dream come true, mm-hmm. you know. That's cool. Um, so then, related to that, then what's do you have a, a favourite title that you ever worked on? I know that we talked a little bit about Canon Fodder there, but mm-hmm. of the titles that you've been a part of, either as part of the team or as part of your sort of consultancy stuff that you've done, is there anything um, that was the most favourite thing to work on? I, I mean, I have got a. I mean, I've said this a few times to people and they've asked me, but I, I, 
I've got a soft spot for a, a game that never actually came out or was even finished. It was early, early. It was a game called The Last Starship, which had lots of different uh, graphics that I started working on, um, and that's just a sh- that's a vertical shooter, uh, mm-hmm. which I did on the Amiga, uh, and that's because I spent so long getting the look right because um, I wanted to make it the best I possibly could at the time. And this is before my Sensible days. So um, I did this before I joined Sensible. Um, there's another one I did, which um, I mean, I haven't really got one. I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I always try and do my best, whatever I do. I always put my best efforts in because um, I just, just, just how I am, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Uh, I'll tell you what I did, I did like to do. And I, I did a, a project which, um, never came out which was a game called molotov man on the snes which we did at sensible and that never went anywhere and i was really really disappointed because i, I was a big fan of the snes at the time i still am to, to, a, to a degree and um i had all these plans and all these lovely graphics and uh you know and, and we got a very basic demo running and then it never got signed to anybody so that was dropped um which is a, you know it's just how it is but uh, but i don't know any other projects i mean there's not not many i could say is my favorite i mean i, I it's just the last starship i'd say and i mean canonford obviously is a is a is a fave because it, it got so well received by everybody um and it gave me some good royalties as well so <laughs> which, is, which is a bonus which is a bonus yeah okay so um is there do you think there's a scope for the last starship to have a renaissance do you think if somebody was to approach you and said mm. we've heard you talk about this a lot and you know we've seen the the artwork that you have mm. on the on your website and we think we can maybe try and do it do it justice would you would you allow them to I, do that would you be involved i i i i would like to do something with them um i mean i don't i mean i never i mean the game was never uh really went anywhere so um as far as the name i, I don't think I, you could use the last starship as the name but certainly the graphics i would like to do something with one day um maybe the mega drive game or something like that um because there's so much there's so much stuff that i didn't do for it uh and that's the thing that kind of kicks me i think oh you know i wish I'd, you know wish it had done something with it because um you know there's lots of lots of stuff i wanted to put into it and i didn't because the game was was cancelled mm. um you know, I mean, if you've seen the graphics I've done for it, you know, I mean, the first the first levels up there uh, on my website. There's a few screens from that I did from that, and um, it's just got this look that I really, really liked. You know, and it, and it was only 16 colours as well. So I mean, you think what you could do now? You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I did anything now, I wouldn't go over the top and use zillions of colours. Um, so I think you still have to keep that kind of limited palette feel to a project when you're doing pixel art. Yeah, but yeah. I'd certainly, I'd certainly whack a few more colours in there to, to to up it a bit to make it look a bit more sort of shiny and and and, and more pizzazz with it. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, why not? I mean, someone if someone come along and says, yeah, we're going to do a Kickstarter and do a do a Mega Drive game, we're going to do this and do that. I say, yeah, all right, let's go for it. You know, I would never never say never. I think it's you know, I think the um, the way that the industry is going, I think that that's a. I don't want to say it's going to happen, but I think it's a, the scope for it to happen because we mm-hmm. recently had Tanglewood, which yeah. is you know developed on Mega Drive hardware with Mega Drive SDKs and is available as a cartridge. Yeah. So what, what was that one? Is it Xeno Crisis? Xeno Crisis. Yeah. 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 I actually bought that on my uh, my Xbox uh, my Xbox One, um, and I really enjoy that. I'm naffing, but yeah. I really enjoy it. <laughs> But I mean, like you pair that up with you know the the Mega Drive Mini, the C sixty four that's just about to come out. All of these devices that are bringing those older pieces of hardware back into the living room or into the yeah. games room or whatever. I I feel like there's scope for it now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was talking to um, 
the other day about this to somebody and, and I said that it's 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 quite interesting to see there's a huge retro scene um, which has kind of emerged in the last few years and from that has been a need to have new content, new software, new games and I don't see why there wouldn't be a reason to, to kind of publish stuff for these old machines and, and because the need is there. People want new stuff because a lot of the stuff today is just not not ticking the right boxes. Um, I mean, I like I, I and I like I like the idea that you could say like, let's create a, a Mega Drive game, but we've got all this new technology we can use to develop with. You know, I mean, the development tools now far exceed what we had back in back in the nineties. I mean, far exceed it. Um, you know, and that's just and that's just me talking from a graphic artist point of view. I mean, from the coding side, is is just as just as amazing. You know, I mean, we've got full development environments. You know, you know, and you can do do all sorts of stuff which you couldn't do back then. So, doing something now, um, it just seems like a no-brainer, you know, to, 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 to be able to create stuff. And as long as you can, I think as long as you can sort the financials out, because, you know, you've got to, you've got to earn a crust from it, um, I don't see why not. And I think it'd be nice to see more more games sort of uh, put on Kickstarter and funded and, and out there, because it, 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 I think it could, I don't know, dare I say, it could re-sort of boot an industry that's kind of lost, you know, because I think the industry's kind of moved forward to such this huge sort of uh, leviathan of like you know mass money and everything that the small stuff and and the and the the the, the, the uh, certainly the, the retro console stuff is obviously left behind because it's in the past, but it's not. It's still present because people play it. So you know, maybe the two could coexist. You know, coexist together. You know, whether this this industry's come up where you people are publishing again. And I mean, I was talking to. Um, Chris Wilkins from from Fusion Magazine uh, the weekend. We went to the uh, Cambridge Computer Centre um, yeah, yeah. museum in um, you know on Saturday. I was there, and he was telling me that there are so many Commodore sixty four games coming out now that it's 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 quite incredible that there's there's just more games appearing and on the spectrum as well. Mm. And you think, well, that's 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 brilliant. You know, that's absolutely brilliant. Maybe it's a, a chance for vi- uh, video game magazine publishers to reboot some of their old magazines and offer cover discs and things. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, I mean, I mean, Chris, Chris and the team have done some brilliant stuff with with the Crash and the Zaps, you know, Zap sixty four uh, annual and and the, and the you know the the magazines and and all that sort of stuff and Fusion magazine, which which is which I've I've contributed to on a few articles on that. Um, so I think the audience is there, um, and and why not you know why not you know i mean i think it's i mean i get a real buzz from playing on the mega drive you know i, I you know i've got i've got pretty much all, all the machines from the from the 90s here you know i've got them in the back of my studio i've got a cupboard and i've got like a lot of storage boxes and, you know, and every now and again i'll get i'll bring one out and i'll plug it in and I'll, you know put all the games on and i love it absolutely love it um because <laughs> they're so playable you know the games are so playable it's instant you'd have to wait for updates you'd have to wait for anything to download you know yeah. you plug it in put the cartridge in and away you go you know it's great absolutely love it yeah i think as well i mean there's a minor gripe involved in this but i think as well the fact that the cartridge the delivery mechanism that the game is on is the final thing you know Mm. as a publisher as a developer you can't alter that once it's Mm. in the customer's hands yeah it feels like it adds a little more quality to it yeah you know like um i i got um 
I got Super Mario Odyssey today on a on a Nintendo sale, but when that first came out, there were you know zero day patches that had to sort of fix things. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Squidge was saying in one of the most recent episodes things with uh, I think it was Borderlands Three. There's updates yeah. for that almost every day, and it's like if it wasn't such a big rush to release it, uh-huh. maybe they'd be able to put a little bit more um, quality control. And if there was a final product and it could never be changed, maybe that would be the case. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's you're right. Uh, I mean, look at the scale of, of games development now with something like a, a you know a PlayStation or an Xbox title. It, it's huge, absolutely huge, with huge budgets. But it's the chain that goes follow that. You know, it's a distribution chain, the retail chain, the online. You know, everything's going to be the marketing. So this is huge machine that sits around it. Um, so the pressure to release on a particular day or a particular time slot is so there from from early on. I think they must build in, you know, these, oh, well, we'll release it there and then we'll do a patch for anything that didn't get through for the release and then we'll do another patch for this. And it's a continuous process. Um, but, of course, back back in, the, you know, when, when the Mega Drive was and the SNES were the top consoles, um, we couldn't do that, you know, certainly. And, and, I mean, with the Amiga, we couldn't do that. I mean, it did happen from time to time where there would be, a, like, a, a serious bug that was discovered after it had been published. Um but once it hit the cartridge, that's it, you know. So the testing was really, really heavy on, on, all, these, on all these games because they had to be because the costs in producing a cartridge is, is sky high. You know, if you're, if you're doing a run of so many thousands of, of cartridges and it's a bug, it's like, oops, <laughs> you can't patch it, you know. So you're just left with a load of rubbish cartridges you can't do nothing with. Um, but having said that, I mean, you know, looking at it now with 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 publishing on on um, you know on the machines now, you know, a lot of that stuff can be done with patches and, and upgrades, and so you know, I I mean, I I, I am thinking of it, it's something that's looking for me to look into is to do something on on one of these old machines because I'm I, I you know it's it's something it's, I feel like there's a I'm being drawn to it. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't do mainstream game stuff anymore. I don't. I don't do a lot of game development these days. I do bits and pieces, but I don't. I don't do a lot of that stuff. So for me, it's like, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll get back mm. into it. There's something in that inherent challenge, isn't there? The, mm. I have a restriction, like you were saying earlier on. You know, the 16 colours, but mm. I have to make it look real, or I need to make yeah. it pop, or whatever. There's a certain right. aesthetic, but mm. because you've got that limit, you're then sort of limited into how you can do it. And I totally agree with you. You know, um, like I said earlier on, you know, I'm a developer in real life, so um, you know, we're looking at the machines now. We've got oodles of power, yeah. and it's almost silly just how much power we have in these machines, yeah. but. I have been saying, I think I said it to one of the Arcade Attack dudes a couple of weeks back, I want to try and make something for either the Jag or for the C64 next year, yeah, just to see yeah. what I can do. See if I can do it with modern tools or whether I have to get an older machine to boot the older tools to be able to make something. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I, 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 I think you need to have um, the physical machine at some point, but certainly with 64, I mean, I was looking at... Um, some 64 stuff the other day and you can pretty much do the whole thing on 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 your on your pc you know and and then just squirt it down to a 64 at some point when you've got the game running and you want to see what it runs like on real hardware but i think the emulation is so good uh and certainly the debugging tools and there's a there's a there's one called c64 debugger which 
I was looking at. And I thought, wow, you know, and you can see the memory, you can see the registers, you can step through the code, breakpoints. It's just crazy. Um, and you think, well, the scope for that, even as a learning tool, if somebody wants to get to 64, they can just run something and say, right, how's, why is that doing that? And you can step through and see it, and it's on your screen, on your computer, and you can, you know, you're not sitting on a, on a 64 and I think, well, how am I going to get the, you know, I don't know what's going on inside, you know. Um, so the tools now are, are brilliant. And I, I, I would love it if people, more people got involved in, in coding and developing for retro machines. Because I think it gives you a certain sense of discipline as well, which, again, is lost today because you've got so much power. You've got resources that you can just run away with. Um, but with something like, say, a 64 or, or even a Mega Drive, I mean, a Mega Drive, you know, you've got like, you know, four four color palettes of 16 color. Uh, well, 15 because color zero is transparent. Um, and that's it. You know, and that's for your sprites and your backgrounds. And you've got so much memory. And you have to be clever what you, how you use those. You know, I mean, it's it's um, it's a real discipline, but I think it's it's a lesson that you learn when you're developing on these old machines that will, you know, will come in handy when you're doing other stuff because then you keep all your stuff tight. You're not you're not running away with memory and and resources. You know, you're keeping all your code and your graphics really tight, um, which you know, which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing to be disciplined with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe we can start that as mm. this podcast. You know, that'd be quite cool. That'd be quite cool. Yeah. Excellent. All right, so um I've got G hashtag.com and Audrey sat next to me. He's been sat here very patient with a massive list of. <laughs> I thought he'd gone to sleep. Yeah, I'm sure I heard, no, sure heard snoring going on there. Was uh, was snoring. That was me. That was me. Um, so if we could get to his questions, that'd be brilliant because I've yes. seen some of his questions and they are a bit mad. <laughs> All right, insane. Sorry. Uh, amateur. Okay. So obviously, with what, 30 odd years? in and around the industry um i'd like to lead with unfortunately a very obvious question i feel you're probably well um pitched towards being able to answer for me um why is the word big so small and yet the word infinitesimal is freaking huge well i think i think you've got to look at the amount of bits involved in storing the data that's that's the thing certainly with the older machines mm-hmm. it's all fixed point whereas the new machines are all floating point so that does make a big difference that's a beautiful concise answer this is precisely why i believe is the man to ask okay um moving on yes whizball mm. what the hell man just what the hell and how, how much house music was involved well, the thing is, I didn't. I was I was a humble fan when that came out. No. So I, I was I was only what was, what was it seventeen, eighteen when that came out. Seventeen. So I actually played. I actually played Wizboy a whole weekend <laughs> as a fanboy because I was a big sensible fanboy before I yeah. before I got the job. Um, so for me, I, I mean Wizboy. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's was, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> it was crazy. But but that's that. You know, you think well, I don't know what this is all about, but I'll just go with it. And then you just get immersed in it. And just, just, I mean, I did. I actually played the whole weekend. I even told my mum not to go in my room so she wouldn't switch the computer. <laughs> off or, you know, like, you know, she's just going around, yeah. vacuum cleaner. It's like, don't go near the power socket. 
Yeah. Do not go near that power source. Do, no, go you away. Can no, from the away. Hall, man. It's almost like you got the SWAT team in with guns saying, move away. I completed Rizbo on, on, on a whole weekend. I left the machine on, you know, because again, didn't have save points. Yeah. Couldn't save it and come back to it. Um, yeah, I know. But I mean, can you imagine what I was like when I when I first started and I'm, I'm there first day, I turn up, get the job, and there's like John and Chris and I'm working with them. It's like, and, and Chris was finishing Wiz Kid at the time, wow. which is the sequel. Yeah. And I'm like, and that was just as bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what they were on when they did that. Yeah. I, I'm glad they were on it. Yeah, man. Um, okay, let's segue into my next question. Um, can we talk about Canon Soccer? Oh, right, yes. Do we, do we have what? to? <laughs> what inspired those design choices? Um, well, I mean, you've got, uh, well, you've got sensible soccer in one room and cannon fodder in the other. I mean, what, what's there not to think about? <laughs> <laughs> but one of many of our, of our rather silly cover discs, wasn't it? Mm, um, it was, yeah. But I have to say, I mean, we're doing cover discs was a real pain in the bum, you know, a real pain in the ass at the time because we didn't really um, have time for a lot of these cover discs. So regurgitating code from an existing game, if to do one, was always good. <laughs> uh, obviously, if it was a demo of the game, it was it was there already. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it worked well though, didn't it? It, it, it did. kind of, it kind of, it shouldn't have worked, but it kind of did. We should have done a full a full blown game with that. We could, yeah. we could have run with that a bit for longer yes yes um so when i mentioned whizball obviously this kind of answers part of my next question what were the games of the era that you got hooked on and what effect uh, if any did they have on you and the sensible team oh um i know that see i'm not into football so i was the only one in the in in, in the office who really wasn't into football at all so a lot of the guys would be into football and i used to they did play kickoff and they played um I think MicroPro Soccer came out a few times mm. before they, because that was originally the sensible soccer. Um, but for me, I used to play Sonic a lot. I, I played on my Mega Drive an awful lot, and I played Sonic the Hedgehog till 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 the cartridge almost broke. Mm. That was, um, and I used to play a lot of. Um, I, th- I played some of the uh, real time strategy games on the PC later years. Um, what was the one I played? It's, it's a really quirky little game I had on the Atari ST called Breach Two. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It's a real quirky little kind of like RTS game. It was, um, that was a really weird one. But no, for me, it was mainly arcade games I used to play. I used mm. to play like uh, Space Harrier. I used to love that. Um, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, which was my favourite out of them too. Mm. Um, but to be honest, I think at the time I was at Sensible, it was probably going to be some like on the Sega, like the Mega Drive games. But mm-hmm. Sonic was my biggie at the time. I used to love playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Fair. Which Fair. is strange. <laughs> <laughs> Considering we was you know, we doing stuff that was nothing like Sonic the Hedgehog and I was sitting there playing the Sonic in the office. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> market <laughs> research. Market research. Of course. Of course. I, I, yeah. Okay. Um if you could bring past Stu to the present and show him games made since, a kind mm. of Bill and Ted's excellent arcade, if you will. <laughs> Which ones would you most like to have his head explode over? So not not necessarily uh, what games do you play these days, more of an inspiration source, uh, defining moment sort of thing. 
Ooh, um, I would. I, I am a big, big fan of, of Jeff Minter and Llamasoft and all the stuff that Jeff's done over the years. So I would first thing I would do is I would show show the young Stu, the old whippersnapper there, little. Mm-hmm. I would show him some of the stuff Jeff, Jeff and Giles have been doing, um, like you know uh, TXK, which I've got on the Vita, uh, and I'd certainly show him Polybius. Okay, there you go. Sit down. You know, especially if, if I mean, I haven't got VR, but I've I've seen people who have read reviews on the VR. It's like incredible. Mm-hmm. I've played it in 3D with on the 3D TV, and that just blows my mind. So that would be the first thing I'd say: mm-hmm. sit there, play that, enjoy. Um, as far as graphically stuff, I would I would I would probably put on some of the like the the top sort of first person shooter games where they've got like you know the graphics that look so realistic you don't know whether you're watching a movie or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, some of the, obviously I don't. I'm not really into the, the newer stuff, but I've just you know I don't really play a lot of that new stuff. Uh, but I'd, I'd say I'd probably do the Jeff Minter stuff really, if I'm honest, because I've always found inspiration from what he's done. You know, when I when I in my early days, he he was probably one of my main sources of inspiration for getting in the industry. As hmm. I you know I had a, a Vic Twenty, which was hardly you know top spec machine at the time, was it? <laughs> uh, but Jeff did this thing. He did this magic. He could bring this stuff to these machines and, and make them do things and sound in ways which you wouldn't expect them to do. Mm. So for me, that was like, well, I want to do that for a living. I want to, I want to make games. Um, so it's, it's, um, yeah, I'd say that that's that's what I would do. I'd show 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 the youngsters a Jeff Minter game from today, and mm. uh, so there you go. Nice. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, is it? Uh, yeah, very <laughs> yeah, much so. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> um, are there things you feel have been lost from the industry as output and home gaming popularity have escalated? Do you feel things have um, improved or degraded uh, as a whole for developers? Uh, I think that's a very good question. I think the um, it's quite a mixed bag because there's a lot of pros and cons for what we've got now. Hmm. Um, social media, I think, is fantastic for developing games. It's also it's a curse because mm. as soon as you put something on social media, you're open to ridicule, even if it's not finished. Um, likewise, you're, you're open to praise. Mm. Um, with the tools we've got available today, I think are far better than what we had back then. Uh, the the integration of everything, you know, the fact that you don't have to spend, you know hours upon hours you know waiting for things to compile well say hours an exaggeration obviously um but for things to compile or or or, i mean you do but i mean it's not it's not as long as it was back then and and i don't know i mean it's this there's lots of things that i'd like to have been able to have done back then which you just couldn't do uh the convenience of today would certainly be a benefit back then but Mm. but having said that would that have altered the output from what we had to go through to get to achieve results you know, I mean, like the hardship we had to go through to it when I were lad, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> the labour before hardship, the birth. <laughs> the hardship we had to endure to, to get things to move on the screen, you know, and, mm. and there's no internet. So you had to get a, a reference manual and, and basically have your head in a book next to the keyboard and, 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 and learn that way. Mm. Whereas these days it's like, well, YouTube tutorial, right, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so I think... I don't know. I mean, it's this. I, I personally, I, 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 I try and I was really into social media when it first sprung up, but now I'm kind of stepping away from it a little bit um, because I find it very, very time consuming. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's very easy to get distracted with all the interactions that people are enforcing on you from a, on a daily basis. And that affects your, your workflow and your, and your creativity, hmm. uh, which we didn't have back then. You know, we didn't have that. I mean, I used to work remotely hmm. um, and I'd have to put a, if I was, if I was putting a, you know, working for a programmer who was saying Great Yarmouth or Norwich or somewhere, I'd have to put the disc in a, in a, in a jiffy bag and send it to him in the post. Which is crazy to think that. Can't even conceive of that these days, can you? Yeah, you know. um, (laughs) Get there, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, and then and then they'd get it and they go, bloody hell, where the hell has this been? It'd be like boot marks on it, and (laughs) you think, well, I don't know. Maybe the dog got all dealt with Norfolk's Royal Mail. It's not not just that you you get that letter through the post. Sorry, you were in, so you'll have to come to the the depot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they wait for you to go out, and then they they put the thing. Oh well, we did see you coming out, but we we haven't got the brain to say actually this is a letter for you. Mm. Um, You know, but but I think you know all these hardships that we we endured made what we did. I don't know what it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything's too convenient now. So, you know, I'm not trying to get my sons to get into programming and, I've just, and they, they're not no interest at all. I said, but there's all these tutorials, there's all these things, but they've got no interest, you know, but, mm. but I think, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, teenagers back in the eighties were sitting there coding, you know, and they did it off their own back. They weren't, they weren't, you know, you know, spoon fed sort of information. It was like, well, I've got to go out. I've got to go to the library, get a book on, on the 68,000 or the 6502. I've got to learn this. I've got to find a book that shows me what the Commodore 64 can do, you know? Um, so I think, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of pros for today, but I think there's a lot of cons as well, you know, compared to what we had. Mm. So, but it's nice to see, it's nice to see some of this old stuff coming back. Like I said earlier, it's yeah. nice to see that's that's kind of taking hold again, where people are genuinely getting interested in these old machines yeah. and saying, "Well, actually, you know, these are really cool. This is a really good. This is a really nice bit of hardware." So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think there. Yeah. I don't know if that's if I've rambled on too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not He's a all. rambling old sod. That's what he is. He's a rambling old sod. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back. We're down to my final okay. question now. Um, if I were to say to you, "The red mongoose flies at night." but only when the waxing gibbous moon is in the west over Slough. What would be the correct response? Is it wearing a hat? I see he's a man of learning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You have passed the test. And what colour hat? That's the most important thing. And is the hat tilted? Oh. Now we're getting into real yes. deep semantics. Yes. Yeah, that's why you're here to answer oh, that question. That's it, see. <laughs> and is it tilted to the left or to the right? <laughs> or, or is it down down over the eyes, covering the eyes? <laughs> we could be out, we could be here hours on this right? We could be here hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All good stuff. <laughs> right, well, that's me. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so what, so what do you guys think about the uh, this news about Rebellion buying the Bitmaps back catalogue? I, I think it can only be a good thing, right? Because it means that the, the newer generation of gamers get a chance to play the Bitmap Brothers back catalogue on presumably relatively new hardware as well, you know? Mm. But do you think... But do you think the... Um, I mean, do you think they'll... <sighs> is they'll stay true to the original stuff? Or like, like say, for instance, Speedball 2... Do you think it'll be, you know, it'll be like an all singing, all dancing 3D version, or do you think they should retain the look of the original but just enhance it and make it sort of more current? 
What do you think would work best? With, with, with the things of stuff with uh, stuff they've done with like the the arcade classic expression, like Xbox One and stuff. Mm. All they've done is slapped that game on an emulator and mm. released it. And they, I mean, apart from a couple of um, a couple of exceptions, a lot of them stayed pretty true to mm. what the game actually is. So I reckon it could be if they released it in like um, either by themselves or in like a collection, Speedball and a few of the others. It, I mean, they, they could stick in achievements if they want. I, I don't think they really need to. But I think it could work well mm. um, if they released it in sort of that format, sort of like a, an arcade collection. Definitely. On, yeah. on all formats, really. It could be on yeah. anything. And I mean, it sort of harks back to something we touched on earlier with regards to just that, the, the preservation mm. of, you know, the, the works that have come before. Mm. Um, yeah. I think... If it's handled right, it would be a really yeah. not just a, not just a nostalgic thing for people like myself um, as a slightly older gamer, mm. a vintage gamer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I mean, certainly um, my younger brother, a decade younger than me, so going up, great, growing up gaming even um, through the nineties, um, he really would have kind of recognize so many of these titles mm-hmm. um and i know he's always excited to see titles that he has this this great nostalgia for um and i mean he's got kids of his own and they love to be introduced to the things that he grew up mm-hmm. uh, enjoying and it's a great gateway for them um i know that two of my nephews are quite into coding even at like middle school level um and they're kind of being encouraged into that kind of um technological awareness through the school but it helps to have that love Mm. that passion that you get um and i i think that it would be a wonderful way to kind of share that Mm. Mm. I, yeah, I, I, think, I really yeah. would love to see it. Yeah, mm. I think the I think the the <clears throat> for me if um, if I was in if I was doing that I would bring I'd bring them bring them as they are, mm. but I would also if I was going to do like a follow up like a proper sequel to these games then see I'm a pixel I'm a pixel art addict I love it I love pixel mm. art that's that's where I you know obviously got known for um and i think with a lot of these old ips i think unless you're gonna do something really phenomenal with it mm. you i think you have to stay true to the roots yeah. um yeah. and that for me would be doing pixel art as well yeah. but using obviously modern systems and modern technology that we've got i mean i love the i love pixel art when you've got all the you know all the effects going on you know like you've got alpha blending and all this lovely stuff that you, we didn't have back then you know we had mm. we had a few bits and pieces um but we didn't have anything like what we can do now <clears throat> but just to enhance enhance the games but enough just to bring it to make it more current um, but not change the core gameplay. You know, I think the core gameplay is, is got to be retained in anything you do that's based on an old IP. And that goes to something like Cannon Fodder. I mean, like, you know, doing Cannon Fodder, doing something like that now, you, I think you'd have to do something that, that, that is firmly set in the core gameplay of the originals. 
you know, Canon Fodder 1 and 2. Um, and I think that, like, say, for instance, the Chaos Engine, you know, I liked Chaos Engine, but I always thought it was, the frame rate was a bit low. And I, and that, that kind of put me off playing it because I'm a big arcade junkie. I love smooth arcade games. So for me, although it looked the business and it was fantastic art, and the game, the game was great to play, but I just felt like the frame rate just let it down for me. Uh, so bringing something like that back with, you know, with modern technology, they'd be like, yeah, this would be really, really good. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to see what they do. Uh, I, I really am. And I, I, I hope that they do stay true to the, the roots of the originals um, and, and, and kind of almost sort of have a proper nod at the originals without actually changing them too much, you know, from the fundamental level, you know, so they are in the, in the, their core. You can see that that mm. is like Speedball 2 or that is Speedball mm. and that is Chaos Engine. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Magic Pockets, though. Because, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, let's not, let's not go there. <laughs> 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 uh, nothing like laughing at your own jokes is there <laughs> oh, if you if you get my drift <laughs> i think though it kind of fits well with this uh this aesthetic that we're going with with all of the older consoles and hardware are becoming more in vogue now like like i said earlier on with the c64 being re-released and the the Mega Drive Mini and the oh. uh, the SNES Mini and all that kind of stuff. I think it w- it fits really well with that because then, you know, you could then th- they could they could somehow team up with the people that have made these bits of hardware and release maybe an expansion or something that puts those titles back mm. onto the original hardware. I guess. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I I, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I don't know whether you know whether they anyone would do it um because of the, with the financial side involved with it whether it's worthwhile but so for me i think that that'd be brilliant mm-hmm. i think that the um the the, the whole idea of having a, a new retro machine like say the mega drive mini that can then run maybe run new stuff that people are producing mm-hmm. that's, that's that's like relaunching the industry from the 90s but today you know it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a lovely idea you know i, I Certainly ticks well, think, the boxes for me. I think there there is a company based in America, I think, called Analog, and they're creating essentially um, the bit the same bits of hardware, but they use FPGAs, so they're oh, right. programmable graphics arrays yeah. that then, um, on a hardware level, implement Mega Drive and NES and SNES and things like that. Oh, so you can right. buy their, I think it's called the Analog <clears throat> MG, which is, for all intents and purposes, a Mega Drive that is re-implemented using FPGAs. Right. No whatsoever, and you just drop a cartridge in and the game starts. That's a great idea. Is that a little bit like, um, is it Mister? the thing called Mister? Have you seen that? Is that? Is that I the think same it is, thing? yeah. Is it the same one, or is it same? It's the same. It's along the same lines. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's the same company. Um, I'll just do a really quick, be really uh, horrible, and do a really quick Google now. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't have anything like that. But I've got something similar. It's called a Retro Freak. I've, I've, I'm a bit of a, a, a retro collector, and I get all of the. Um, I go to like fairs and stuff, and I get the games. But I'm I'm reluctant to play them on actual hardware because I don't want the the, the consoles themselves to degrade. Because obviously oh, right, the, yeah, yeah. the retro freak, what it does is you can just plunk it in, um, right? Because it's got the adapters for it, and you just play your games. So I can play the games. Yeah. I just I just don't want to have the possibility of either ruining or damaging the original hardware. 
um, or finding a TV that I can plug it into. Yeah. But this is it's just like HDMI, you plug it in, you can, it's got an adapter so you can plug all your old uh, controllers in. Um, mm. So I can play Mega Drive games with like the arcade stick that I've got, which mm. is really weird on some of them. Um, but that's how I'm able to do it. But I'm always open to something that looks like the original that I can just plop in the cartridge. Yeah. Honestly, with a lot of the older titles, from a, for my personal preferences, mm. I'd be happy if they never touched the graphics. Yeah. Mm. And honestly, for me, the only thing that I would really like to see even the slightest tweaking to would probably be audio quality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Crisp it up a bit. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I, I would be happy as anything to play those games in pretty much original format. Mm. And most of the gamers that I know, as someone outside of the industry, I'm just a, a player of games. Um, most of the people that I know who have any kind of feeling for 16-bit would be happy to do the same mm. uh, and would probably prefer to do the same, just yeah. play those original titles. Mm. Yeah. They were the ones that brought us to where we are. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know... But I think the, um, I mean, look at something like Streets of Rage, which is, which oh, is oh. and I, I was really, I was really sort of excited when I read that they were bringing another one out. And then when I, I saw it at, um, at EGX, it looks all right, but I really, really wish they'd have retained the, the pixel art look. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it's because for, for me personally, I just think the, oh, that's, that's what the IP was that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's not like say Sonic or Mario where it, it, it's like a, a mascot for the generation of the machine that's that's currently out and it just moves with the with the, the, the times. Um I think a lot of these titles they just need to, to, to look look more like the sixteen bit era. And I, mm. cause I think there's a there's a I th- there's a lot of nostalgic glow associated with those with those machines in those times, and I think as soon as you start fiddling around with the look of the graphics and they start putting like you know lots of smooth stuff in there and it's all hand drawn or hand animated and it's like you know almost like you, you know it's full HD, that's mm. gone. That that nostalgic glow is gone with it and it's not there no more. Whereas yeah, if you bring something out, with, yeah, well, yeah, if you bring something out that's got like the lovely pixel art. And then, and then you're you're just basically bringing it out to to say like you know for the Xbox or the PlayStation, then you've got all that lovely power that you've got in their machines, but you've got that wonderful pixel art which is mm. being pushed around in such a lovely smooth frame rate. You've got all the effects going on, and it it stays true to the original, you know. Mm. And I think that that for me is is the, the the happy medium between old IP and current technology and current systems. And, yeah. and I, I really hope I really hope that anything that that is done from this deal with with uh, the bitmap stuff. Is is kind of has that that angle on it? I don't think it will, but that's just my that's just my take on it. Mm. But who yeah. knows? Maybe, maybe you never know. Yeah. You found that link, Jim? Have you? Yeah, yeah. So the the Mister is a is an FPGA board essentially that's mm. designed for um, emulation, whereas the the analog devices um, and it's the American spelling of analog. Um, their devices like the Mega G and the Pocket are all designed so you can drop an actual physical cartridge into their ah, machine, which right. looks nice. like the original machine. Um, so, like, the the Pocket does Game Boy, Neo Geo, and a bunch of other formats. I sent Ooh. Squidge a link earlier on today. It's the entire link as well. Yeah. So you yeah, just get the, right. you know, the official cartridges, dunk it into the machine, and you've got the That's original good. machine in your pocket, I guess. That's good, because I saw... Um, 
you know Neil from Retro Man Cave. Mm-hmm. He done he done a um, a review of one of the Mister Boards a while ago, and that's what kind of got me into looking at it. I thought, well, that's pretty that's pretty impressive that they're they're you know it is effectively the, the hardware, but on an FPGA, and you know rather than just being pure emulation. So um, it's certainly something to look, it's certainly something of, of interest to see where that's going to go because having having the, a new new bit of kit that can play all the old cartridges. Mm. It's going to save wear and tear on on the, on these old machines, which have got a you know clearly they've got a lifespan. You know, I mm. mean, how many times can you put a cartridge in a in a cartridge slot before it starts to foul? You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna, that's right. You know, um, so I like I like the idea. I'm going to have to have to follow that a bit more closely. I think. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Okay, um, well, um, so, Stu, just as we sort of wrap this up, because I know we've only really got an hour with you, I uh, don't want to bleed into, you know, the rest of your day. And no, you're all right. That's why I'm happy to run over. I'm happy to run over a little bit if you need to. It's not a problem. I will. I mean, um, <laughs> I taking liberties, taking liberties. That's it, right? You stay here all day, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But no, I was just thinking, like, um, how can how can folks get in contact with you? See what you're up to. Look at all of your past projects, new projects, that kind of thing. What's the? You said earlier when you you're sort of backing away a little bit from social media. I- I yeah I mean what I, I mean my website stewcambridge.com is probably the best place to sort of check out my social media links I don't I've, I don't really do Facebook these days um, I kind of log in just to check check the updates and and just you know people tag me and things but um, but the best thing is Twitter I mean Twitter's the the, the one I use all the all the time uh, and Instagram I tend to post both on both of those. Um, I don't really do uh, any of the other things that are about. I don't. I don't. I mean, like Discord servers and what. I don't really do Discord. When people do Discord, I don't. I don't really. I don't really do any of that. But yeah, Twitter is probably the best thing to do. I, I do if you go on Twitter and uh, follow me on that. Um, I, I don't post all the time, but I do tend to post on there fairly regularly. Yeah. You know, so, okay. But, so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I. You know. I. I, I I just find it's quite nice to be able to interact with people instantly with on there. Um, you haven't got to go through pages of stuff like you do with Facebook. <laughs> it's just like instant. It's like, yeah, you know, very instant, very quick. And it's like getting to the point straight away of what, what, what you've got to say and what people have got to say back. So it's good. Awesome. Okay. So we'll, we'll make a point of putting links to your site and your uh, Twitter oh, cheers. sort of show notes and stuff. Um, Thank you. But uh, I was just thinking, would you mind doing a, a telling us again the, about um, the, the game that you're working on with Branchy Narrative one more time, just so that... Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, what we're doing, we're doing a, um, a sort of a, a video version of, of Death Trap Dungeon narrated by eddie marson and uh you know you 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 basically sit and 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 play the book on screen with eddie narrating it to you making the decisions that he presents to you using very just basically clicking the button very very similar to the way that uh i don't know if people seen netflix on bandersnatch the way that was working where you've got interactive choices in different various choices um that kind of that kind of idea but they had the technology done before so they'd worked on a project uh matt and mark had worked on a project before this and then they just had the idea to to bring it together and tie it in with something that was really well known um um and um 
and I'd say check out branchingnarrative.com if you've if you've not uh, seen it yet, and branching Nara uh, on Twitter, which is uh, the main Twitter feed for that. Or look at my or look at my Twitter feed, and you'll see reposting that I do on there. Um, and, and 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 just be be prepared to get immersed once you play it because it it, it really does it does really does just take you inside the Death Trap Dungeon world. Uh, I mean, Eddie. Eddie is just a fantastic actor, and um, when you see the videos that he that, that on on the Steam page, which is actually up now, um, you can um, you can see what you what you're letting yourself in for because it's uh, it's a pretty good ride. I mean, I've had a, I've had a really um, so I've had a, I've had a good time working on it, and I, I I just get mesmerized, you know. And I'm working up with doing UI stuff, and then when I got the video playing, it's like. Eddie's, Eddie's looking at me. <laughs> you know, got me t- got me dual screen set up, and I, I've got one one screen with like, all the the video on it, and the other screen I'm doing graphics and stuff. And I keep looking over, and it's like he's looking at me all day long. <laughs> and I said that to, I said that to him at the EGX. I said to him, "Do you realise? You know, I've I've looked at your face like every day for the last couple of weeks, and I can't look at your face anymore. <laughs> it's, like, it's just there, but it's just really. But, but if you look at the there's um, a bit more." serious there's um there's a the, the page that's up on steam at the moment it's got the uh the a video clip on there and if you check it out you'll see what i mean just go full screen with it as well don't don't look at it in the middle go full screen just sit there and just listen to and watch and you'll, you'll think all oh, right this is you know and you'll see what it what it's all about you know but uh it's great it's really so, good but i think we're i think the branching narrative are looking to do some other other books as well after this one so um you know, check them out. Follow them. Follow them on Twitter. I think there's a Facebook page on there. They've got a Facebook page, um, but you can find all them links off of my Twitter page. Um, and if you check that out, because I've got a few like retweets on there, which from them, so you can see that, and uh, and there'll be progress on there very soon. Because the games, I think they're planning to release it next month. So I think we've literally got about two. What we're we on now? Yeah, I think we've got about two or three. About two or three weeks until it comes out. Maybe you know, just under. So. Um, yeah, out very soon, and it'll be out on PC, uh, and it'll be out on Android and iOS, and then I think in the new year we're looking nice. at other other platforms. Nice. That's so, yeah. awesome, yeah. And it's and it's something a little bit different as well, isn't it? It's a little bit different to um, to what everything everything else that's out there at the moment. So it's uh, and that's yeah. the thing we picked up when we was uh, at the show. You know, people were walking by saying, "What is this?" and saying, oh, and they and they just sat there and played it, and they thought, "Oh, it's really different." You know, it's like, well, you know. It's uh, it's nice to have something a little bit out of the ordinary, um, which is a little bit different to you know another first-person shooter or another 3D adventure game or you know puzzle game. It's it's just something a little bit different. And what a great book it is as well. What a great book to start with as well. Yeah. I've got a distinct feeling that if someone took a picture of him and stuck it in their wallet, they'd stop buying daft stuff because they'd open it <laughs> and they'd have him staring at it. And it's quite like, do you really need this picture? All right, maybe not. You could do a do like you know self help with Eddie Marson videos. Like you you are you are a shopaholic. You don't need to buy this. You don't need to buy this. And then they sell it on. And then they sell it on QVC. There you go. <laughs> 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 yes, we've Sorry. identified a gap in the market and we need to fill it. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great idea. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, um, thank you ever so much for sitting and chatting with us today, Steve. That's all right. 
I feel like most of the conversation up until when G started asking you questions was a bit um, self-centered around my interests being a developer and all that kind of stuff. But hopefully we haven't scared you off. (laughs) I'm always happy to come back if you want another chat. Just give me a shout and uh, always happy to have a chat. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe we can have a chat about working on... um, Titles for all the systems one time. You know, that, yeah, I'd love, love, I'd love that. Or something. Yeah, I'd yeah. love that. That'd be great. That'd be really good. Imagine if Chief Problems was on here. I won't be able to show oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of our friends, Chief Problems, I might as well mention this, he's a, he's a massive fan of Cameron. Oh, right. Okay. And when I, told yeah. him, when I told him that we were interviewing, that we were interviewing you, I sort of said, well, do you want to be on? He said, no, I, I just end up, I won't be able to show <laughs> I said, so... So what do you want to say to him? Oh, just tell him I'm a massive fan. I said, I will do. But it's just sort of, I won't be able to shut up. Okay, we'll leave you on this one. <laughs> uh, thing is, I mean, it's, it's just nice. I mean, I've, I, there's a story when, when Canafod had just come out and it was um, because we was based in Saffron Walden. And there was a, I don't know if it was in Saffron Walden. It was, I, I was in the shop that sold games. I can't remember if it was Boots or... And uh, I was in there, and it had come out, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple of like school kids standing and looking at all the Amiga games and ST games. And I stood there, and I saw them, and obviously Cannon Fodder was on the shelf. And I picked it down, and I said, I've heard this is really good. <laughs> can't, I, don't think, I can't remember if they went and bought it, but I remember just thinking, you cheeky bugger. Imagine doing that now. He's like, oh, yeah, this game's really good. Yeah, I did the graphics. But, yeah, this is really good. <laughs> I mean, they call that viral marketing now, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose so, yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> Um, but but then but then again, I mean, look at look at box stuff. I mean, box stuff's you know, I mean, box games. You know, that's that's a thing of past now, isn't it? Box games. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. gradually fading away. You know, um, yeah. I mean, that's something else I would bring back: the full experience of of, of um, going back to a previous question, jumping around here. Bring back, bring back, like you know, that, that experience of of the anticipation of a game and and. Um, you know, not not every it's spoilt with a YouTube video where someone's got a leaked copy, you know, or or, yeah. or whatever. You know, all that stuff which we didn't, we you know, which we took for granted back then. You know, so mm. I'm going to yeah. go and cry now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we're all getting oh, a bit no. used to oh, no. yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go and put some Miami Vice on. Nice. Where's my Jan Hammer CD? Where's it gone? It's over here somewhere. You know. <laughs> oh, there it is somewhere. You know, there it is, right? Yeah. It's the only C. It's the only CD I own. No. It's on loop all day, every day. Oh, you know. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for having a chat with us. We really appreciate it. No worries. Um, and yeah, we'll have to. Uh, have to maybe get you back on if you're interested talking yeah, about yeah, some of the old, uh, uh, development tools and stuff. Yeah, I'd love to. Maybe love if to. I can get into into the headspace of making something for an older console with newer yeah. stuff, we could maybe chat yeah. about my experiences of that versus your experiences of using the older stuff back in the day. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, the Mega Drive is a good one to start with because it's it's a real. I, th- I personally think the Mega Drive is a gem, a real gem of a console. I think it's really it's got the best of of everything. Um, I mean, it's not. It doesn't excel at everything. It's, you know, I don't think it's got the best graphics, but it certainly has got the best of everything in terms of what you want out of a of a good sixteen bit machine. So, uh, I mean, obviously, Neo Geo is the king of the you know, king of the castle when it comes to those machines. But you know, Sega Genesis is probably my fave. I think so. Um, yeah, definitely have a look into that. So, very good. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. I'm going to make a Sega Genesis game for Waffling Tales. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to be able to not hear about it for the next couple of months. Hear about it? You'll You're be in. Or everyone's silly now by talking about it. Oh no, they got on about like a bloody game again. <laughs> viral marketing. Viral marketing. There we go. Viral marketing. <laughs> no such thing as bad press. That's it. That's it. Excellent. Well, uh, like I said, thank you very much, Stu. No worries. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You, Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectral Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleansing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Gay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link. I'm the one that'll make you sound like a legend and me like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> legend, more like, I think. That's it. Yeah, legend. It's better to be a legend than a bell end, I suppose. So. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> 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 better to be a legend rather than a bell end. <laughs>